You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hello, 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 and welcome back to a very festive episode of Spandex Power Armor. That's right, this episode we're celebrating a very special guy, Gridman. See, I don't focus much on the birth. I think it's more the uh, death and eventual rebirth which we should celebrate more with Gridman. No, no, dude, death and rebirth is Evangelion, dude. I still find that Gridman has been misunderstood by a lot of the population and is now just an excuse to sell toys and tokusatsu merchandise and just avoiding what it's really about. True, it's all a big, it's all a big corporate you know, conspiracy by the big Hallmark companies. They've really lost the heart of what it really means to you know, celebrate and follow you know, the teachings of Gridman. Shame, shame, shame. Anywho, uh, Gridman, it was good. Damn it, I can't keep doing the same gag. I was going to uh, do it one again. One bot on SoundCloud who listens is really getting tired of this. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'm not okay. No, no, no more of that gag. I'll, I'll be. I'll, that's my New Year's resolution. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Gridman this episode. If it wasn't already uh, pretty obvious. Uh, Gridman came out in 2018, we're only just talking about well, it now, baby. Well, I think baby. we need to clarify a little, uh, because we are talking about the anime SSSS Gridman, which is itself related to the tokusatsu show Gridman from 1992. And Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, tacitly. Mm. In the pre-reading, you never told me to read that, so I'm just going to... Um... I don't know, was it, is it, was it necessary reading? Was it all referenced in the anime except for the title? Not not so much. It's, it's mostly just the SSSS bit that you need to keep in mind, which is where the SSSS comes from in the title, and then is referenced in the last episode. You say SSSS so much, it. I just keep thinking of Nazis. I'm like, oh my god, super Nazis. <laughs> I'm just a stuttering <laughs> Nazi. Mein Führer, the SSSS... Oh no, we're going to get... <laughs> uh, so uh, I think that's our, our record for the shortest time before we did a naughty joke cool let's see if we can top that next time so yeah we're talking about the anime Gridman not the Toku Gridman we will reference Toku Gridman a little bit but it's not our main our main focus mainly because anime Gridman is 12 episodes long and Toku Gridman is 30 odd episodes long and also because Toku Gridman gave me a stroke I work in IT I'm looking at it and thinking that's not how computers work. I was looking at it and just... No. No. What, don't you jack into the mainframe? Or whatever. You don't put a graphics card in while it's on. You don't You do not do work on a car while the motor's running. But yeah, just the way they approached computers in Gridman was like, oh, uh, God. So what is the computer world exactly? Because obviously Gridman has, you know visited the computer world which is under attack and um, is that the internet are they referring to the internet before the internet was massive kind of i they don't really go into it too much it just exists i have take i've taken to kind of viewing it as like the digital world from digimon it's a sort of sub dimension that has been generated by this interconnected network or an internet if you will of of systems and junk just kind of coming together and forming this landscape that 
kind of ghosts and the machine can kind of develop within, like um, uh, like Tron. Okay. Okay. Just think of it in terms of Digimon or Tron, and you should be all right. That's again, they don't really go into the nitty gritty mechanics of it. It just exists and it works. Fair enough. This is neither the time nor the place for overthinking a children's Takasatsu series. Hang on, yes it is. No, it's the time and place for overthinking an anime. <laughs> yes, in one of my proudest moments, I've actually gotten Rex to watch an anime. I was quite weirded out by a lot of the conventions of anime and the usual... Thing. Okay, you're talking about you're talking about fanservice, aren't you? You're talking about them booty shots. There was a lot of feet stuff in this. Like, there were so many feet shots. The, the fact that you notice it betrays your proclivity to looking for these things, Rex. Do you have anything you want to... to uh... To confess to us. Yes, I have a fetish for lampposts in anime. Or anything <laughs> in general. That's why I'm a big fan of Singing worse... in the Rain. It's worse than the floor tile guy. That's why... <laughs> it's not... I don't really have... Now I'm just thinking, could someone have a fetish for a lamppost? Because, like, you know... Because you can tell when a... Something visual is appealing to a fetish. It shows it in a very specific yes. light. For a, gives it a lot of exposure. Has specific things happening. So in this case, in the anime, we have Akana using just showing a feet, putting a feet on a desk, prodding someone with a feet. Although I how long it would take before us to get yeah. onto the foot tangent? Yeah, I was hoping to get in a little and later and say, but there's a lot of feet stuff there. Like, yeah. Although counterpoint. They're not, like, insanely detailed feet. Like, you're not going to get big, wrinkly things. I, I don't know how that community works, but I'm assuming that they focus on the detail. Of it. They're, not all, they're not all crinkly and whatever. It's, it's not that weird. Yeah. It's just a little weird. Weird enough to be noticed. So, I guess the review of SSSS Gridman is, if you're into feet, <laughs> hooray. Oh, boy. Quentin Tarantino, this one's for you, boy. I wonder if there's an entry on the feet wiki about it. That's oh god, there is a feet wiki, isn't there? <laughs> I know there's an anime bath scene wiki, and I know there's boobopedia. Uh, no, wait, no, the foot wiki. Um, didn't they kind of debunk some kind of celebrity theory or a conspiracy theory? I'm certain that they debunked some kind of theory by comparing an actress's feet and saying, "No, it's not a body double. Look at her feet." I want a film where someone I is don't... acquitted of a mass murder. <laughs> By someone identifying the feet pictures. Oh, no. Oh. Ugh. If the sock doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> no. Oh. oh, that one was so funny. I didn't even laugh. I just wheezed. Oh, I went straight muttly. <laughs> Congratulations. Um. <clears throat> oh, okay, so in okay, the cool. first 10 so minutes less than of 10 minutes in, the... <laughs> less than 10 minutes in, <laughs> this is latex power armor. <laughs> God. Okay, cool. Okay, that's that's all the fatty stuff out of the way. Neat. For now. Oh, God. Well, for now, yeah. We'll probably find some other way to segue into this. I'd also like to point out that all the main characters in this are uh, high school students. As you do in every anime. That. Uh, it makes sense in this one. Not the fetish stuff, the setting. Still doesn't to me. Everything's set in a high school. That's just called Arrested Development, my man. Oh, God. <laughs> that can't go. <laughs> oh, my flow's been interrupted, my man. Why have you done this to me? All right, back on track. <clears throat> so the uh, the plot. Uh, we're not going to go full nostalgia critic and give you a full play-by-play of it and have that be the bulk of the series. Um, we're just going to kind of breeze through it. 
basically, you know, episode one. Um, Yuta's got he's, he's got he's got the, uh, the the big the big forgetties. He doesn't he doesn't know where he is. Doesn't know who he is. Uh, but uh, an old CRT monitor in the in the junk shop is calling out to him. And he's all like, "Oh, cool." Um, hey there, Mister Magic Man. And then they go off and fight monsters when one appears, because uh, one of the volleyball club members ruined Akane's Specheru Dogu with a volleyball, and so you know, the logical conclusion to come to that is murder, murder most foul. And then uh, he transforms into Gridman, and he. Uh, beats the monster and they save and that's episode one i do quite like yeah, the go. references to og gridman especially when it comes to the villain's motivations i mean obviously for akane in this it's a lot more sympathetic but um <clears throat> it, well, i don't know well, it... you kind of feel a bit more pity i feel i don't know i feel pity for both of them they don't they're both horrible people on the surface but they're also both very sad people i not so much in episode one. Uh, in episode, uh, as the series goes along, Akane becomes a lot more sympathetic once you understand her. Hmm. Whereas in the Tokusatsu, um, I can't remember his name, so I'm just going to call him Pepe. Takeshi. Takeshi, okay. Um, he just is like, okay, the obvious thing is he doesn't have any friends. But the more you see him in episodes of the Toku, it's more like he has some sort of... Um, impairment or is obviously a little neurodiverse like having a meltdown when hearing music coming from a music shop so so what you're saying is that that boy ain't right that, I'm, I'm just saying that he just needs a big hug and maybe just just some help in learning social norms and just a little just less well i was gonna say that Akane is less creepy, but then again, she does the psychopathic anime eyes a couple of times. One episode in, and already the boy ain't right. <laughs> we'll have to do OG <laughs> Gridman at some point. So yeah, the, the first episode is a pretty decent setup. Actually, um, I was turned off by the first episode when I first watched it, when it first came out. Uh, and I'm not proud of that, but I, it's... it's I, how, how best to do it? I didn't like initially what I thought was going to happen. Like I was seeing how U2 was interacting with Rika and I saw Samurai Caliber at the end and I was like, oh God. I didn't know it was only going to be 12 episodes long. I thought it might have been longer than that. So I was thinking, oh God, okay, cool. We're going to have like, what, 30 odd, 50 maybe episodes of of U2 and Rika not being able to spit it out. And I, I hate those kinds of trite relationships on in anime and i thought oh no samurai caliber is all ooh is is all mysterious and watching things at the end of the episode is i was like oh no this mystery is going to be going to be dragged out and i just oh, i can't i can't bear this i'm just going to move on to something else and i didn't watch gridman for the longest time but then i then i picked it up on uh, when it got released physically and watched it through cuz i after in the meantime between those between when it came out and when it came out physically I'd watched the Toku more, and I was I was more appreciative. I I knew it was only twelve episodes long. I was like, okay, cool. Even if it is stretched out for that long, it's not going to be too bad. So I watched it. I was like, oh god, I was wrong. I quite like the way the first episode portrayed the characters because it sets the audience up 
for something else. It set the wrong expectations, like when Samurai Calibur was lurking in the background. He was obviously disheveled, would stick out like a sore thumb, and that would have the audience thinking, oh, he's the one creating the kaiju. Anyone who'd seen the Taku would think, oh yeah, that's that's obviously the sequel to Pepe. You know, my... my... Concerns, especially with regards to Samurai Calibur, were completely this way. Like he, 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 he turns up properly in episode two, and he's pretty, you know, what you see is what you get with him. So there's no kind of new mystery thing. Like he, what I was worried about was um, you've not seen Kill the Kill. I have not. I thought the the teacher character in Kill the Kill knows pretty much knows a lot more of the of what's going on than the main character does, but he doesn't just tell her everything. And I was half expecting that. And, you know, I thought Samurai Calibur was all going to be like, no, you two, you got to do the thing. And only tell him to do the thing and not tell him the specifics of why to do the thing or what the implications of not or do doing the thing would be. But he didn't do that because none of them really know why they're doing the thing. All they know to know is that they are wanting, well, they, they need to do the thing. Yeah. I I'm, that was just a relief when I when I saw the second episode. Oh, thank goodness! Okay, Samurai Calibur is being upfront, and I do have to use the say the full name. Yeah, I find that by it's giving so all the cool. characters who are involved with Gridman himself missing memories, it kind of helps because they're also piecing things together. They contribute to their understanding of the plot with their perspective, but none of them harbor any deep secrets. They all have to find it out. Well, the deep secret is more to do with the nature of the story itself, and not them themselves. That was a really horrible way of wording what I wanted to say. Uh, none of the characters are all withholding or anything like that, and none of them individually have much mystery to them. Collectively, the mystery is theirs together, and it's more tied into the story than their character motivations, is what I meant to say. So, you know, bore isn't all like... <laughs> wouldn't you like to know or anything like that you know there's no there's nothing of that they're all just as in the dark as each other which makes it a lot more engaging than just you know one or two characters withholding i think the best romantic relationship in this cartoon was boro's relationship with utsumi shins <laughs> you picked up on that one as well did you yeah just um getting very hot and cold it's not like i like breaking your shins or anything huh? baka <laughs> Oh, let's have a look at the waveform for that one, hey? Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to hate editing this. You fool, I'm going to be editing this over Christmas. You mean Baka? I can't add editor's notes on a waveform. Translator's note, Baka means plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, from, from episode one onwards, the show kind of starts out being a bit more conventionally Toku-ish with some darker elements. Um, yeah, we come to understand that Akane is killing people we don't understand initially until like episode six or so halfway through what the dealio is with that we just know that we can we can make assumptions but it isn't explicitly stated you know that the teacher bumps into her and just kind of uh doesn't it doesn't acknowledge it and just kind of keeps going and she's all like you know she doesn't like that it, it offends her on a on a personal level and so she creates a monster to specifically kill him um, funnily enough, and I kept track of this, every single time the teacher appears after that point, he is a much better teacher. I think they hinted at that once because he wasn't killed by the monster, and that he was saved yes. by Gridman. 
Yes. Yeah, they, they do mention it in a later episode. One of the mentions that the teacher's been, you know, been a lot more attentive and wonders if it's got anything to do with Gridman, and it absolutely has. Um, just to dip into, you know, theme territory, which we're going to talk about later a little bit, it just shows that Akane's way of doing things is completely wrong. Yeah, there are other ways to organise one's life. So the premise for this is that Akane will create a monster after she is wronged by someone in an attempt to kill a specific person. And, of course, Gridman will appear and fight, kick its ass, the city will be destroyed, people will be dead, but the next day, everything is fixed, everything is back to where it was, except the people who were killed are now no longer present. No one remembers them. No one remembers the kaiju attack. They've all been retconned, basically. Yeah, and everything is just reverted and reset. And all across the city... Yuta and Rika and Utsumi can see massive immobile kaiju in the distance past a giant fog. That's so cool. That looks so cool. Oh, yes. I love giant looming kaiju. And they don't even... They they only get interacted with once, and it's not by the main characters, it's right at the end. Hmm. And, yeah, it's those kaiju who then rebuild the city and just reconstruct everything else afterward. So... Um, obviously, spoiler alert, dear God, I'm putting a big old spoiler alert in the description for this. Um, am I right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we should have mentioned that earlier. Yeah, um, I'll put it in the... <laughs> womp, 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 spoiler alarm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Akane's the villain, whoops. Whoa, oh no. Oh Lord, what have I done? The world is her playground, and she rules it all from her office inside a shopping mall. Wait, hang on. Look, if, if, if you watch um, a whole probably going to be an hour-long podcast on, a, on an anime that's two years old. you got to expect spoilers. Come on, this is, this is your fault if, you've been, if this has been ruined for you at this point. Read the room, man. Read the room. I take no responsibility for my actions, damn it. As Rex said, um, everyone gets retconned out of existence once they've been offed by Akane's Monster of the Week. Uh, until Gridman starts saving people, obviously, at which point her sanity kind of starts to slip a bit. Um, once episode six rolls around, up until then, it's kind of been pretty pretty tame. It's been, you know, monsters turned up, let's punch it. Uh, partway through, um, a few episodes in, we get a kind of rival recurring monster called Anti who turns up. And uh, Anti is a human form who, um, he's been made a little bit differently from the other kaiju because he has... Um, like a copy ability, so he can mimic whatever ability Gridman comes at him with. Um, he can talk and interact with people. More limited. You know, he's still pretty stunted in terms of his motivation. He's pretty single-minded in wanting to beat Gridman, but he can, you know, hold a conversation. I love that goblin. Oh, Auntie's great. I feel so bad for him. Well, yes, because Akane doesn't give him... Any attention when she doesn't need him. When he fails, she just chucks her phone in his face. She doesn't care for him at all. She just leaves him rummaging through trash in between fights. Anti is one of the most sympathetic characters in this, even though for the mo- most part of the show, he's trying to slaughter our main character. Uh, he's, I think, the biggest kind of feather in his cap initially. The, the biggest, the best thing the writers did for him was to make his loyalty to Akane you know, front and center, because mm. then that gives us something to latch onto. Again, we'll we'll get more into this when we talk about um, characters. I'm getting way off track here. Um, in terms of the plot, he is introduced as a kind of almost kind of third party. He becomes more of a third party as the series progresses. He kind of develops his own agenda as the episodes progress, and Akane is more cold to him, and he kind of gets isolated more. 
Uh, another thread, including him, is that he gets more close to some of the tertiary and secondary characters. Rika takes him in a bit more. Samurai Caliber takes more of an interest in him. And so we've got that thread going through as the episodes progress. Episode 6 rolls around, and we get a cameo kind of appearance from uh, Anosilus II, who is the child, or maybe child? Successor of Anosilus from episode 6 of the original series. Weird inclusion, but it's nice. For those listening at home, let's explain Anosilus. Big monster. How else do you explain Anosilus? Big monster gets saved by Gridman. Big Monster living inside a keyboard, which is also somehow connected to the computer world. Well, you've heard of the Internet of Things, right? Gridman was just out of its time. You need a software <laughs> this update for your keyboard, Wi-Fi. man. <laughs> this was pre-Bluetooth. I think at that point in the 90s, the concept of anything that can be controlled wirelessly would be witchcraft. So yeah, this was a very unexpected cameo because it isn't referenced that much so they don't really give you much context you really have to pick it up so in yes. that episode where we see uh, that descendant of anosilus it's more that she takes yuta outside of the city where everyone always seems to fall asleep and mm. she wakes him up and explains that it's because of the monsters and the best part is she wakes him up using music which is sort of based yes. on the piano tune they played yes, in yes, that Gridman yes. episode to sort of and make... a piano arrangement yeah. of You May No Hero, the main theme from the original series. Yeah, and that was really quite a nice thing. In the Taku, it was used to... Because um, Anosilus was corrupted, they turned him back into a good guy, and that was just a really nice idea. So it did really hint at what the actual world is. Yes. So, yeah, so um, obviously, spoiler alert... They're all actually in the computer world. Oh, God. Good thing we already mentioned spoiler alert. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it like eight times in the description. No worries. <laughs> but yeah, so it sort of hints at the greater scale of things. Hints at saying mm. your world isn't really what it is. There is nothing past this city. Yes, you may have gone to the river, but that was all created by her. She is the owner of this place. Well, there are other kind of things like that, like uh, Utsumi is a massive Ultraman fan, but he doesn't know who Gridman is, which he, he doesn't know uh, what Gridman is, which which makes sense because Gridman is real in their world, but Ultra uh, Gridman is part of you know, kind of tangentially connected to the Ultra series, having the Ultra series exist, but no Gridman, it kind of shows that something's a little bit little bit off, you know. Yeah, there are mentions of this. I do like world. how Utsumi uses conspiracy theories of aliens and. <laughs> Ultraman references to try and explain it like they eventually see the fog clear and they see all the old computer world looking stuff from the Toku using the same aesthetic and he's like it's aliens it's got to be aliens well he's not necessarily wrong sometimes like he does know he does look at the monsters sometimes a bit more analytically than the others notices that the first monster they fight is weaker around the neck and stuff like that Hmm. I mean, he's not. He's not annoyingly self-aware. Like it's. It's not like his character trait that he's an Ultraman fan. It just informs his character. Oh yeah. Like he's not a one-trick pony. But from episode six onwards, then the Yuta um, explains to the others what Anosilus explained to him, and that Akane is de facto god of their world, as far as they're aware, and that she's the one creating the kaiju, and she's the one, you know, maintaining everything. But Anosilus also does uh, hint at someone else being involved as well, which is Alexis Kerub, the real main bad guy. 
And so from there, for an episode or two, uh, Yuta has to kind of convince the other characters that he's telling the truth and that, you know, what he's saying should be taken seriously. Max tries to um, tries to back him up, one of the other uh, support weapons. Um, but when, once they get to the the flying kaiju with the, uh, the the weird marionette puppet things and they go above the clouds, they see hanging above them the, uh, what's the best way of describing it, like the grid of, of the computer world from the original series hanging in the sky above them, which, you know, is a real big indicator that this isn't taking place in the quote-unquote real world. Because up until this point, you could probably dismiss it as being part of the real world. Like if you weren't familiar with Gridman. Because like if you've watched the Tokyo Gridman before this anime, having Gridman appear in the real world isn't how it works. Gridman only really fights in the computer world. Mm, if I'd so having binged him... more of the Toku prior to watching this, I mean, I didn't have much time, but you did fortunately provide me with the first couple, last couple, and also the Anosolus episode, so I was aware of the general themes. Well, I figured five episodes was pretty much, you know, but yeah, that kind of those kind of cues will clue you into this maybe being a bit dodgy. But if you're watching this without watching the anime, or without watching the Toku, and all you're aware of tacitly is that he's a giant, he's a giant man who who beats the monsters, then you'll just kind of go along with it, and it just makes a twist. It, it works either way. If you can tell the twist is coming, then you feel like a, a big old smarty pants big brain for uh, for noticing it and being you know on the same page as the as the show. And if you don't notice it, the the twist comes around. It's neat, and you've kind of you've been bamboozled, but in a fun way. Yeah, pretty much. That's um, both of us in a nutshell. So from then on, they um, they they fight a few more monsters. There's one that traps them in a dream world, and they have to do the whole. Oh, I'm, this isn't real. This is too good to be true. I'm going to wake up now. Uh, g- get bent, Akane. Screw you. And that's when she really starts kind of going downhill hard. Uh, Alexis Kerob starts being a bit more proactive in how he interacts with the story and keeps pushing it to make kaiju. Uh, she makes one kaiju, which is a guy in a suit, which I love, who kills the uh, mist kaiju, and so things stop getting reset. Everything starts falling apart. Uh, she gets turned into a monster briefly by Alexis, and you know, uh, she stabs... Uh, before that, she also stabs Yuta, and you know, he gets uh, put in a coma briefly, even though even then, yeah, by the doctor's standards, it's pretty absurd that he was put in the coma. In episode six, uh, Anosolus mentions, well, Anosolus II mentions that Akane could be working with someone else or someone else could be working with Akane. And we've seen, um, you know, from day one, someone on a computer screen um, kind of interacting and, you know, uh, what's the best way of putting it? Kind of not provoking, um, just kind of encouraging, enabling, enabling. Uh, it's Akane in kind of making kaiju, encouraging her to make new ones and that kind of thing. And uh, he looks a lot like the main villain from the original series, um, Khan Digifer. And this guy's called Alexis Kerib, and I love him. Come to think of it, um, when you mentioned there are signs of it not being in the real world, one of those is the fact that Alexis Kerib is not just limited to that computer screen. He is physically present. He actually walks into a restaurant. He is doing (laughs) stuff physically. He's interacting with the world. He's not doing what um, Khan Digifer did in the original show, which was try and get into the real world. He's already there, further hinting mm. at this being the computer world. It's quite a neat touch. 
like I said earlier, we'll get into character stuff more in depth later on, but I just want to say Condage for is a great villain. I hate him so much. Uh, and in the English dub, at least, the um, the guy playing him is definitely trying to do a Tim Curry impression. Was the English dub any good? I only saw the subs. The English dub is all right. It's, it's one or two bits, um, like... Uh, they translate um, yeah the uh, the assist weapons um, as neon genesis high uh, neon genesis junior high when it it isn't that it's new millennium or something like that ah, a bit of localization I think it's more just so they can cram in yet another reference yeah I mean it, it's a little bit distracting but they don't mention it too much so you can kind of overlook it um, but yeah no the um, Tim Curry plays um, Killer Khan in Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Yeah, their version of Khan Digifer. And so um, the English dub for Alexis Kerrib doing a Tim Curry impression, it, it works. Tim Curry's in everything, isn't he? Um, so yeah, um, throughout the series, Khan Digifer is, um, he starts out being a lot more of a kind of minor background character. He only turns up like once an episode or so to you know make uh, Akane's monster grow. But um, once things stop going her way, as they progressively obviously do in the series, uh, he starts being a lot more proactive. And as you said, coming out of the computer and moving around, like we'll see him, like there's one episode where we see him watching Anti and he's out of the computer. Like uh, you also mentioned him going to see um, Yuta with Akane in a restaurant and he's walking around like a normal bod, as normal as he can be with, you know, vape coming out of your head. Oh no, that's that's it. He he's just a dank vapor. That's why he's evil. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I did like how they gave his mouth the same effect when he talks as Candidifer. It it he looks like Candidifer, but not so much that it's distracting. Like they're mm. cut from the same cloth, but not so much that it's just oh, it's Candidifer again. There's a lot of subtlety to pick up on in this series. So if you had actually watched Gridman, yeah, you would really be in it and sort of picking up on everything really quickly. For myself, who is a bit of a plebeian when it comes to these things, I had to take it one step at a time. Oh, you've got no idea. The the rabbit hole goes so deep with, with these references. We'll talk about a few of them later. Not all of them. My God, not all of them. There's so many. But like the, the hospital Yuta goes to in the first episode is the same hospital as the one in the first episode of the original series where, um, where Takeshi starts messing things up with his first monster because a, a girl... He, because he didn't give a girl his confession letter and he spanned that around in his mind as her being a, a stuck-up Stacy who rejected him even though he didn't even talk to her. See, I'm going to say that that is more psychotic than Akane because if Akane was wronged, she would just have that person killed rather than just messing with an entire hospital. Oh, true, true. Yes, fine. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they're both still... Maybe sympathetic isn't the right word for it then. Understandable then. I can empathise with them, but I don't... My God, I do not condone any of their actions. They both do horrible, horrible things. So as these, as the series goes on, Alexis becomes a lot more proactive and Akane becomes a lot less... A lot more reactive, I guess. Yeah. To the point where she just kind of shuts down after a while. Like after things really start going downhill for her after the Dream Kaiju episode. Um, there's a whole episode where most of it is... Um, the main characters, um, Yuta, Rika, and Utsumi, get kind of trapped in a dream world. And you got. This is a really good episode for understanding Akane as a character, actually. Uh, there's a bit towards the end where Yuta realizes that he's in a dream, and she pretty much admits it, but also says, Isn't it nice 
to wouldn't it be nice to dream forever or something along those lines and that really kind of that's the first kind of big confirmation of her motivations that we get you can surmise and infer stuff up until that point that's her basically just stating outright what her dealio is and why she's doing what she's doing and it is just to kind of maintain this sort of dream for herself she is on she's aware at least on some level that she's deluding herself and she just wants to keep it going for as long as possible from the middle of the series onwards it's obvious that akane's control of the world is slipping while she uses the monsters to try and enforce some control over the world so something she doesn't like she destroys tries to change it but for this things become more and more out of her control even ante at one point she becomes more of an outsider in this world she created the people in this world she created specifically to like her then turn against her she has less involvement in the world she has less involvement with the monsters she just becomes so distant well hot damn dude you you were worried that you weren't really reading enough into it that's really insightful and really good point you're absolutely right and i think what the issue is is that she's having to acknowledge that these people are people she has a very obvious as the series goes on a very obvious social phobia and difficulty interacting with the world and uh, at least in my interpretation of it it's not you know they don't act you know the characters don't sit down and tell the screen oh by the way this is what's happening you kind of have to read into it more but i think that the only reason she can interact with people so easily at the beginning of the series is because she doesn't believe them to be people oh yeah she can just banish them to the cornfield at will absolutely yes and so she just thinks of them as a computer program that she can bend and manipulate to her will and change as she wants but as they keep resisting her and keep working against her and keep beating her she has to acknowledge them as her equals and that's i think when she starts shutting down and can't interact with people properly anymore she stops going to school she makes like one more kaiju and completely phones it in even alexis is disappointed with it Mm. and at that point she just kind of becomes almost catatonic because she she's rejected by this world that was meant to be her perfect escape and it's great i mean it's it's a horrible thing to see someone going through something like that but it's so well established and built up at this point it's so horrible to watch her go through it but it's so it feels so good because it's been established so well i bet she's really bad at the sims Well, anytime a sim doesn't do exactly what she hoped, she builds a, 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 a swimming pool and makes them swim and gets deletes the yeah, stairs. Or traps them in a small room filled with radiators. But it's the it, but work? it gets to the point where you have to kill them all. You can at least get some sims to like you. Well, it's the sims don't actively revolt against you. Imagine if they did, though. That would be so cool. They could do that, couldn't they? I, could I want a, a like sims that. or sims-like game that has a feature. Where your subjects eventually realise they Turn have no free will. God. Yeah. And so part of it, so you're supposed to be keeping this happy little world going, and you're also supposed to be stopping the insurrection. Okay, Game Dev Spandex Power Armor episode now. Um, shit, how could they do that? Okay, so if you go above a certain kind of social development thing, they start to develop philosophy and stuff like that. So if you, you can either keep them at a um, lower level of technology and social progression, and that'll be easier for them to maintain, but you won't be able to do as many cool things. Uh, we need to get Peter Molyneux you... away from this. He's going to take <laughs> the idea and make it terrible. Oh no, this is what Spore was always meant to be. Oh no, 
Yeah, I would kind he of like something the, like that. So. The final, the final boss of Spore is you. Actually, that could make quite an interesting film. So it starts out with a film about a normal family, but then they start to realise that they're just characters in a video game being controlled. And then they woke up and it was all a dream. Roll credits. Oh, actually, now that would make for an amazing horror film, to be honest. Think about it. If someone, someone's going swimming in a pool at night, then suddenly the ladder disappears, the sides get higher. No, 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 there's... this is... oh god, this has absolutely been a thing. Has not it? This, no, 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 not this specifically, but I'm certain... God, I can only barely remember... I can remember something like this existing, but not the specifics of it, and this is gonna... I'm gonna be awake all night trying to remember this. How dare you? Okay. I'm going to move on from this now, because if I don't, I'm never going to make any progress, and the episode will be two hours long, and it's just going to be me yumming and ahhing in the background. Um, so at this point in the plot, Akane is completely shitting down, and Alexis has totally taken over as main character. No, not main character, damn it, main villain. Um, before this, um, Yuta has been stabbed by Akane while she was going on her grand depression tour of the city, and she decides, uh, well... If I can't kill Gridman, I suppose I can kill Squishy Man. Why doesn't that happen more in Taku things where the hero can transform? Just murder them while they're vulnerable. Jugglus has absolutely tried to st- to get Guy in Ultraman Orb with his with his katana. That's absolutely been a thing that's happened, I'm certain. But again, Guy is just too much of a chad to fall for that kind of thing. I love Orb. Mini mini orb review time. This is Rangers mini reviews. Watch orb. It's good. There we go. Review over. So um, Yuta is left in a coma, um, and throughout this, in in this coma, when he wakes up from it, uh, he he kind of has this kind of little dream meeting with with Gridman, and it turns out, oh, Gridman was you the whole time. Yeah, Yuta didn't have any memories because he wasn't actually Yuta, just another fragment of Gridman. Just like uh, the members of Neon Genesis, Neon Genesis Junior High, gets a bit existential, really. Yeah, the the this kind of plays into like one of the first shots of the first episode, where you see like a a twinkle in the sky shattering into different fragments, and so those different fragments uh, are each uh, they're Vit, Max, Samurai, uh, and then two of them become um. Two of them become Gridman. One goes into Junk, one goes into um, Yuta. And Yuta has no memories because he's Gridman in Yuta, who also has no memories. Um, it's a weird question. Twist. How did he know Yuta's name? A wizard that's, did it. That's... Wizard did it, okay. That's just the one <laughs> thing. It's like, what was their interaction beforehand? So, like, what's... How did this possession happen? But yeah, it's quite cool, really. Just sort of realizing that, hang on, you weren't you all along. Yeah, from that point on, his voice gets a little bit deeper and his his eyes change color depending on which kind of role he's adopting. So his, I didn't his know eyes this was a coming gold. of age anime. He goes through um, puberty. <laughs> he goes through in real time. puberty. <laughs> yeah, his body goes through some changes every episode. <laughs> Um, so yeah, from that point on, um, he kind of adopt. he becomes Gridman 24-7, I mean, it doesn't last 24 hours, you know what I mean, full-time he's Gridman, basically, from that point on until the end of the episode, uh, the end of the series, not episode, there's like two of them. Um, uh, it's just like a straight, uh, then kind of beeline to beating, um, Alexis Carey. Once he's kind of aware of who he is, he knows what his mission is, and the mission isn't necessarily to save the world, it's also to save Akane. 
the SSSS bit at the beginning it isn't just uh, a Nazi with a speech impediment. It actually stands for, what's the, uh, let me find it, Special Signature to Save a Soul. Oh, okay. That's That soul being Akane's. That's the same thing as Bible Man, though. They get their mission, Bible which man, is, um, you know, little Johnny's dan, dan, not been dan, feeling too dan. good and he isn't coming to Sunday school. And he's been making monsters. Oh, God. Actually, I'd, I'd watch a Gridman Bible Man crossover. Now, that's a bit of a, that's a bit redundant. We all know that both of us would watch any Bible Man crossover. I, I want an Into the Bible verse. Yes. And one of them has well, to basically we... be the Doom Slayer. Like. No, I'll. <laughs> No, no, one of them has to be from, like, the apocryphal text and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. All the different translations of the Bible. And then one of them's from the Book of Mormon. The plot twist the is last... that it's basically just a Bible study group because they're all just <laughs> chilling around and where all the actual fighting of villains and demons and stuff is done by the hyper-aggressive Doomslayer one. No, no, I've got a better idea. I've got a much better idea. It turns out there's a youth pastor trying to do a safe version of um, D&D with the, uh, with the Sunday school group, and they just keep turning it into something fun instead. <laughs> so yeah, for the last two episodes, is basically just kind of... It's fight scenes interspersed with existential crises and personal growth and healing. It's, it's, a, it's a wild ride. Utsumi goes through a bit of a... Um, bit of a crisis at the last second once he realises that he's basically useless. It's oddly psychological near the end. I wasn't expecting it. I, when you initially mentioned this, ye, like, yonks ago, it was like, oh yeah, it's got a twist, it's kind of dark. I'm like, nah. Nah. <laughs> I watch it and I'm thinking, yeah, this is just some standard tokusatsu-like stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this goes into um, depression and social hurting. isolation quite a lot. Rika has to kind of get over her predisposition to loving Akane. Everyone kind of has something to do, or at least something to feel, that keeps them relevant to the kind of themes of the story. It's great. You would expect Utsumi to be kind of sidelined a lot more than he is. I mean, he is by virtue of being the one most, most disconnected from the action. But even so, he still has a presence and a relevance to the story. Oh, yes. And I, I just want to... I'll, we can continue with the rest of the kind of story after this point i just want to gush about the fight between alexis carob and gridman it is so good i i just love that bit where alexis gets punched in the face it's one of my favorite you know recent anime fights i, I hate alexis carob so much he sucks and watching gridman in his og form punch him in the face so hard he just kind of turns into a singularity point is great it was a really nice reference at the end when it was realised that every part of Gridman, so it was um, all the assist weapons, it was Gridman himself, it was Yuta, once they properly merged, then he became OG Gridman. And that's mm. where it did all kind of tie together. And it was really good. It even had Baby Dan Dan kick in. I yes, was impressed. It was so good. There's loads of references to the final fight with um, Khan for as well, like you know, breaking the blade and junk like that. It, this whole series is full of weird references, like the Obari pose when he first becomes Gridman Caliber. Lots of stuff. We can't go into all of it. I'll mention some of it at the end, though. But the, the final fight is so, so hyped. And then at the end, when he um, realizes that he can use his fixer beam for more than just fixing the world around him, he uses it on Khan Digif uh, Damn it. 
on um, Alexis Carib and by extension the um, Akane who's within him to help her get to the point where she can help herself a bit more, you know? Just a nice nice use of a of an ability that didn't really do much beyond repair damage. Do you know a, a little interesting thing about Alexis Carib? Do tell. So his voice actor also voiced a character in Space Patrol Luluko called Over Justice Su, who is this flaming skeleton police chief guy. And the voice actor at a convention jokingly said that, um, in his mind, Alexis Carib is Over Justice after being corrupted by his immortality for being around so long and... <laughs> Um, after after being defeated by Gridman, was able to go back to being good again. Yep, sounds like anime to me. Deepest lore. You can't really squeeze much context into a 12-episode anime, can you? No, but at the same time, it doesn't overstay its welcome, which I oh, think is yes. much better. Nothing's dragged out. After the big fight between Alexis and Gridman, we get this really nice little bit where the real kind of triumph of this, the episode is it's not it's not punching Alexis super super hard it's giving Arcane the courage to leave basically all the characters kind of appear in a in a reference to the last episode of Ultra 7 where they're all kind of stood in profile with the you know sunset sea behind them or lake or whatever it is a water, body of water uh, kind of encouraging her and helping her just affirming that she uh, what's the best way of wording it they're just letting her know that it's all right and that she can, you know, she is strong enough. And it's, I mean, for one thing, it's really big of them, considering that she's killed lots of people by this point. I don't know, what were your thoughts on that bit? I was a little confused by it, because I was still trying to figure out the specifics of the plot. Like, okay, if this is her world, is she an actual deity or what? It, I actually did have to speak with you about this afterward, just to get it all clear in my head, just to make me understand, because the live-action bit at the end, and how it all tied into the uh, live-action bits in the credits we'd been seeing, with the anime stuff put on, it kind of explained it. And yeah, it was okay. I, I wish that there was a bit more dialogue in it. I wish that a bit more stuff was explained. But that's just me. I'm, I'm not very good with subtlety. <laughs> Well, again, you only watch it once. I've watched this. Ah, it's like Arrested Development. Now. You get you get more and more of it every time you watch it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 just a really nice ending because it's it's not even like Gridman fixes her because obviously he can't do that. He just kind of helps her get to the point where she feels okay with leaving this kind of cocoon she's made for herself and leaving. And at the end, she kind of gets up out of bed and looks up. And it kind of shows that she's going to leave and then if you watch the music video you can see her leaving the house and going out and seeing people again it's it's just a really nice conclusion because you just you see this you see that she's not this nefarious anime villain or anything like that i mean she is but she's also just this really depressed schoolgirl who needs help more than anything gridman is very heavily armed for a glorified therapist <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Oh man, if if he didn't have amnesia, so that's a um, a pretty brief overview of like the general beats of the story. We're not, obviously, we didn't go into too much detail because uh, you should watch it yourself if you haven't already. Do it. 
Um, in terms of characters, though, um, the series has got some really good ones. Um, Rex, did you have any particular favourite standouts that you liked most? I quite liked them all, to be honest. Um, they weren't all given much depth all at once. It was all bits at a time, little bits. So, yeah, all the um, support ones. I quite like Boru because he was just being violent and, well, violent towards Utsumi and um, arrogant and stuff. And so I quite like that personality. But then all the others started talking and you got to know them more. And it, it just felt really nice. I really liked the um, character dynamics. They all interacted well. It all seemed uh, very well written. Yeah, I think there's a character I actively dislike. I mean, obviously I hate um, Alexis Kerr, but that's that doesn't mean I don't like him. I just find him despicable. As a villain, I love him. Um, there's no character... I mean, Vit is a bit of a vacuum. Like He's got a personality, but he doesn't do much of anything. Yeah, All I think the other... he is the least expressive of the team. He, he's given no focus or anything like that. He's just He gets like one shot where he's left in charge of the shop, and that's it. Hmm, I think there's um, there was one scene that uh, kind of got a chuckle out of me, where he was obviously needed to um, provide all the aerial stuff for oh, yes. and he stood yes. up, and you know they all looked at him, and he's like, wait, you need me? <laughs> Bit of an airhead. They all get some personalities, just that some get more focused than others, like uh, Samurai Caliber gets more focused, and it's like Max, then Boar, then Vit. Mm. Gotta say, I love I love Max Gridman with his big, big gorilla arms. Oh, yes. More things should have that. I've been looking at a Gunpla I want to get. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Gundam Dantelion from Iron Blooded Orphans. And it's got a backpack that can fold around and go over his arms and give him big gorilla arms. And I really want it because it's got big gorilla arms. And more mechs should have that. Uh, for the main character, Yuta is pretty decent. Usually I don't like main characters so much in these kinds of anime. I usually find that, I mean, like, um, for example, uh, my Hero Academia. I was watching that. I watched that for three goddamn seasons. Three seasons of my life. I'm never getting back. Uh, but I really don't like the main character from that. I was just watching it for the uh, side characters. And I was half expecting that to be the case with this. But no, I really like Yuta. He keeps kind of he keeps having to affirm to himself that he's got something that he has to do and something only he can do. I thought that might get annoying, but it doesn't because it's just so sincere. By giving him amnesia, it helps him to um, be... What's the best term... A stand-in for the audience. So that way people could experience the world at the same time he's experiencing it. So that's yes. why they'd also be surprised when they see all the kaiju in the distance. They'd also think that things are a little weird as they're happening. So yeah, they don't need to spend much time explaining the world to them because they see it as the character see it. The amnesia wasn't obnoxious at all. and It's great. It's only really relevant in the first episode. After that, mm. it's still a presence, but it's not like, oh, what's this? Oh, I don't know that. Who are you? Oh. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get played out throughout the entire series because I, because it wouldn't be. After like, yeah, after like the first week or so, and obviously we wouldn't see most of that week because there's yeah time passes between episodes. All that would have gotten sorted out. Like he does mention, oh, this is the first time I've been on a train since the amnesia. That's it. Like it's just normal conversational stuff. That's uh, just something I like to bring up. This. Dub is pretty decent in that they're not doing proper anime voices. They do sometimes, but it's a lot more toned down. It feels a lot more conversational. There's not so much... These kind of weird anime grunt, you know, they make. I'll have to take your word for it. I uh, I went for the subs. 
But okay, let's let's compare. How, how do you reckon the uh, how do you reckon the the Japanese version was? Yeah, it was all right. It was translated pretty well. I was aware of some localization, and yeah, it got the message across. The phrasing was a little odd at times, but yeah. I mean, as you'd expect from being from a different language with different sentence structure, it'd be weird if it wasn't. Yeah, Yuta, pretty good character. Gridman, pretty fun. I my big thing is that I wish. I know that Yuta is Gridman. What I mean is, I wish Gridman, as in suited Gridman in Junk, was more of a character. He barely gets any lines beyond the first couple of episodes. Yeah, he has no distinct personality. I think that, actually, that being said, I think that's kind of fine. Because Gridman is just Gridman. He's the base. All the personality is all the characters are that split off from him. That's why you get um, the very distinct personalities with the um, assist characters. Uh, that's why Yuta is sort of representing that curious part, the part that's properly interacting with things. So it's from that that you get an idea of his overall personality. Exactly. So my, my complaint is kind of moot by that. But that doesn't mean I don't still want a suited grid man with more of a presence beyond punching monsters. Rather, I mean, like, it's not a serious complaint. It's just like, a, oh, it would have been nice. Because the, the times he does interact, it's kind of, I don't know, he's, he seems like a fun guy. A bit uptight and a bit kind of unable to disengage from the mission. But, hey, you know, maybe the part of Gridman that's in Junk is his sense of duty. Yeah, definitely. Really, it could be. Probably is, actually. I've already touched on Akane a bit, but let's let's go a bit more in depth. Akane is a real sad sack. Holy crap. That's just, it's just... I don't like how relatable I found her. Not so much now. I mean, I'm, I still get the big sad pretty regularly these days. But when I was her age, very much, I see a lot of how I was, or at least how I perceived myself to have been hmm. in this character. And I do not like that at all. It's not oh, yeah, nice seeing this. Oh yeah, a surprising amount on teenage mental health. Yeah, like it's like I'm looking in a mirror, a mirror with bigger boobs. It's just not good. I mean, it's good to watch it now that I'm out of that kind of slump. But if I was still in that, I'm not sure how I would have taken that. I don't know. Maybe it would have given me more of a uh, motivation to get better sooner. I don't know. You needed a grid man in your life. I did. I, I, I still do. Just do what I do. Listen to loud, sad country music. Um. Okay, so how how does the feat fit into this then? That's the burning question. They feature an integral part of her character. I mean, without them big old, big old, big old smelly crinklers, I don't think the, this anime could have done as well. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that when she returns home, she takes podcast. off her tights. Obviously, she, you know, now barefoot, sits cross-legged, puts her, just touches stuff with her feet. My issue isn't that she takes the tights off when she gets home. I not speaking as someone who hasn't worn tights, I would assume that they would be a bit constrictive, and you would want to take them off once you get home. I just don't get the point why we have to see that. You know, I mean. It, well, that's to show that, yeah, okay, she's now in her space. She's no longer putting on airs. Especially in a world where, that she created where she doesn't need to. I think it's good if we just kind of come clean to the audience just so we don't sound weird. This isn't us putting a weird emphasis on this. All right? This is the anime putting a weird emphasis. If you've not seen it, you don't understand. Watch the first couple of episodes, you will understand. We're not being weird. The anime is being weird, and the fact that it's being so weird means that you know, we have to talk about it on a podcast episode all about it. 
it's just those things that we can point out. Like there's like a certain amount of emphasis put on Akane's boobs at times as well. Yeah, you you just can't get around it. It's weird. Hmm. Like it's not it's not so distracting that it's detrimental to the series. Like it's one of my favorite anime from the last decade. So obviously it doesn't. Like I really hate feet. If if I could, I'd give myself the old Star Fox treatment. You know, Robo legs. But it's just weird. Um, so yeah, beyond weird fetish fuel, Akane is just, like I said, horribly relatable. I was very depressed as a kid, uh, and I just saw a lot of my coping mechanisms, well, I say coping mechanisms, uh, bad habits, I suppose is a better way of putting it, in her, you know, isolating yourself, making yourself seem something that you're not, um, because uh, something that's very important about Akane is that she dresses like an original character. Mm. You're not in like an original the character do not steal kind of thing. You know, she's got she's got purple hair and everyone loves her and she's all super quirky. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's what kind of threw me off near the end as so when you see her getting out of bed it's just a normal girl. Yes. There's nothing special about her. This was Exactly. her escape. This was just the form she took so that she could feel like she special. was special. Yeah. It really, really is a, just viewed. Yeah, viewed through this perspective of this being her Mary Sue self-insert, who everyone loves and adores because they're meant to. Akane's design and mannerisms make so much more sense because she is unnaturally sweet and outgoing and stuff like that. Mm. And again, she's only able to maintain this, at least as far as I'm concerned as long as she can view these as being just a simulation for her to play in. As she becomes less and less in control of the world, then she becomes more like her actual self. She becomes very withdrawn. Yes. Like, everyone loves her no matter what she does, and everyone wants to be involved with her and everything like that. Like, she brings a, um, a maquette she made of a kaijin to school, and you know, none of the, no one's like, what the hell is that, Akane? That's, that's bloody weird. What are you doing bringing that into school, mate? That's just it's a weird thing to do. They were like, oh, wow, Akane, that's super, super cool. God, I love you. I like how she just threatens the, the protagonist with it. She just pops <laughs> oh. down on the desk. This thing's going to kill everybody in five days. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a moment. At that point, she's still in control of the world. She's still uh, knowing that once she's oh, rid she of Rigman, she's just back to normal. Also, in that episode, I just want to say that they had a really good plan. She, The basic plot is Akane hates the school festival because she's got pretty intense social phobia. Of course, she'd hate the school festival and uh, wants to use a kaiju to attack it. And so the group are all like, oh, God, okay, how am I going to do this? And they, what they do is they summon Gridman before the monster turns up and he scares everyone away. That's a fantastic... I mean, it doesn't work, but it was a good idea. Oh, yeah. And especially in that episode, um, they managed to... Um get Gridman to have all of the add-ons, like all of the weapons to yes. have like a mecha-themed form because with Gridman, so a bit of context based on the Toku is it's based on the performance of Junk. That's why it was the equivalent of a colour timer in the Toku. It definitely felt like yes. an Ultraman knockoff. In the anime... You can only render so much. Yeah. In the anime, um, so in the second episode, uh, Samurai Caliber comes in sort of up... up yeah. Upgrades guts, that's the correct term, upgrade. You and say so, dudes, you bloody redditor. Updutes. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's, um, it sort of changes the appearance of Gridman, so he looks close to his actual colour scheme than the one that was in the first episode. 
And one thing they added was it's also based on the size of Gridman. So the bigger he is, the more power he uses. And so when they all try and appear in at once to help him in one episode, it all just, just freezes up. Yeah, it, it, it chugs like a PS4 running Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> but they get around that by reducing their individual output uh, and shrinking them all down. And then together they make they they become as big as Gridman is usually. It's it's a neat workaround. Oh yeah, it was definitely quite clever. I liked it. Even when it comes to anime weirdness, it it's just like yeah, okay, that works. Well, because you, you're into Toku, you're receptive to that kind of combinationness. Like, isn't there a whole episode of GoBusters where they're trying to work out how to combine their mechas properly? Yeah, I think I'm so. Certain there is. I haven't seen Go, Go Busters in ages. I want to see that again. That was good. It, it was a good Sentai. I love Go Busters. I still haven't seen Beast Morphers. I hope it's good. God, I hope it's good. So uh, segueing from Akane into Rika, because the two are rather connected. Uh, Rika is fun. I was expecting to be more of a bitch from the first episode, but she is not. Oh, she... yeah. By the fact that she mentions to um, Yuta when he wakes up that they aren't friends. Yeah, they, they set her up, like, from the beginning to be the kind of cold... I was expecting to be Tsundere, to be, to be honest. I I was that was another thing that kind of turned me off initially. I was, I was looking at Rika, I was like, okay, I know exactly what your character's going to be, and I don't care for it. But she isn't. And she's one of the most relatable characters. I mean, they're all pretty relatable, but again, Rika is pretty relatable. She's, she, you know, once the episode's over, she's like, I, I don't want any more of this. This is, go home, I want to go, I want to rest. This is all weird. I don't like it. it. She's good. She's a good character. Like there's only so many ways you can say it. She's really good. She's not as kind of joyless as I was thinking. I was I was thinking she was going to be like the spoil sport of the group, who's always kind of dragging everyone down. And she's not. You know, she has a bit of a joke now and again. She's not the most outgoing character, but she engages with everyone. It's just she's nice to have around. Oh yeah. She also has a lovely arc where she tries to come to terms with the fact that she's told that she was created just to be Akane's friend. Mm. That is really good. It sort of has a lot of introspection, even with characters that are revealed in the end to just be simulated. And she's also the last of the group to kind of come to terms with the fact that they have to actively oppose Akane. What's even more interesting, though, is that she pretty much is Akane. She is a Yes, you had to spell this out for me. Well, it's not that obvious to begin with, which is totally fair. I had to have it pointed out to me as well. But Rika is what Akane is mostly like in the real world. And the fact that Yuta could kind of would prefer Rika over Akane is why Gridman picked him to be his host. Ah. Because he was the only person who would who was receptive to that and who who could be used to kind of help Akane because he was the only one who could see her for who she was. Actually, this makes a lot of sense. And sort of, I'm going to have to go back. You know, when you um, told me what SSSS stood for, it kind of makes me realize a lot of things as to why Gridman wouldn't just um, kill Akane because, and well, also why he um, didn't want to kill Auntie because he doesn't go for anything that has... I guess a soul, anything that is yeah. close to a living person. And so, yeah. yeah, he just wanted to save them. That's what he does. He only kills monsters. Yeah, and these monsters are all... In the original series, all the monsters were just 
created were, were programs created for one purpose they weren't even naturally occurring life forms like anosilus was an anosilus was corrupted and he was saved and yeah wasn't killed um anti developed a heart pretty early on and so wouldn't be killed akane was a human wouldn't be killed he just wanted to save them and help them get better again the it, it works the two theme songs for the series, you know, um, for the Tokyo for this one, work into this. You know, the original song is Hero of Your Dreams, and this is all, you, know, you may know Hero. And this is all taking place in what could be described as Akane's dream. Um, Union, the theme song of this series, is all about helping someone and how the world is, un you know, their world is under attack and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty good. I love the theme songs. Yeah, Rika um, has a kind of much closer relationship with Akane. Uh, initially, people kind of assumed they were going for a Yuri angle, and I, some people still do read it as that, which you could, I wouldn't say no. Um, I did get that vibe right at the end when she was having her last words with Akane. Yes. And of course, you could interpret that as Akane's kind of inner self wanting to accept herself and be accepted by herself. Um, obviously, mm. I don't think Rika is like a splinter of her, but she's just kind of a representation of her that you know, Akane made and then rejected. She lives in a junk shop, and she mentions that the junk shop is where useless things go. Hmm. Man, it's just sad. This is a reminder to hug your local sad nerd. Yeah, do it. Before they shoot up the school. Rounding off the um, yeah the, the trilogy of kind of main characters is Utsumi, and Utsumi doesn't have as much going on with him as the other two. Not to say he's a bad character, like I mentioned, he's... He just isn't as connected to the focal conflict as the other two are. Yuta, of course, is Gridman and is the, you know, is Gridman. He's the one fighting it. Um, Rika is Akane's friend and reflection of her. Utsumi is kind of there. He's Yuta's friend and is along for the ride. He kind of, yeah, he's just kind of there. I'd argue that he does have an important uh, role in that sort well, of does, representation yes. of Akane's mind because he is the very geeky one. In the ideal dream fantasy, they're just geeking out over Ultraman stuff together. Mm. He's that part of her that just wants to engage on that level with someone without needing to put up any pretense. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's uh, What's the best way of rewording what I want to say? I guess what I mean is he's the one with the, less, with the least kind of overt connection to the plot, I guess. Oh, yes. I liked it to me. He... I like the bit at the end where he realises that he's pretty much useless, but then kind of comes around again and realises that just being needed makes him not useless, you know? Yeah, even if you don't have superpowers, you can help by just being there. Wow! Holy yes. hell, this series, when you put it under a microscope, it is... Is really good. Yeah, it it has such a focus on mental health. Yeah. Like, holy hell. And feet. And feet. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, do you see now why I love Gridman so much? Yeah, yeah, I think by talking about it, it does make a lot more sense. Um, mm -hmm. That's a lot of analogies for the state of mind and getting over things. Sometimes you can't actively do something, but just being a presence there, being lending your support is enough. You know, sometimes that's just something you have to do, and something only you can do. It all comes full circle, baby! It's all tied in. It's all interconnected. Yeah, that's impressive. I've connected the points. Auntie is another fun 
character. I, I I like his violent little murder hobo goblin thing he's got going on. Oh, he's cute. He's so sad, though. Again, everyone's so sad. Like, he's just so horribly abused by Akane. Like, I just... Which makes more sense once you realise that she doesn't think of him as a real person. Doubly so, because she created him, like, more recently, you know what I mean? Like, she, she created him for a specific purpose, and therefore thinks of him like one of her kaiju. You know, mm. not so much like one of the sim, you know, one of the computer people. But the mistake she made was giving him a bloody human form and, you know, the ability to communicate and think. Why would he do that? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Is, his arc is good fun because I mean, like after the first couple of episodes where he fights, he's just you know for a, for a decent stretch of episodes, just an absolute joke who gets defeated pretty easily. And then he finally, because um, he starts interacting outside um, outside of the episode more with um, outside of the fights rather, with uh, with Rika who gives him food and gives him a bath. Uh, Samurai Caliber gives him a lot more attention as well and kind of tries to help encourage him to make more kind of solid goals and kind of become more of a well-rounded human being. Well, he just wants to kill Gridman, though. I think that's even a point during the dream one where uh, Max, Spore, uh, Vit, and Samurai are just watching the gang sleep. And Auntie comes around and is like, come on, I want to sh- show up Gridman, the monster's there. And they're like, no, oh, we can't. <laughs> we got to kill that monster first in order for Gridman to show up. And so Auntie just goes full ham on the thing, just <laughs> jumping up, slashing it, and it's just not affecting it at all. And he is just so persistent because he knows that will um, help to achieve the goal that he is there for. I think if they hadn't established Tim as being fiercely loyal to Akane in the beginning, he would have been a lot less engaging to watch. If you don't mm. give him that at least one positive trait, yeah. Oh, sure, he wants to kill the main character, but he's also fiercely loyal despite you know all the abuse he's facing. He gives he gives you something to sympathise with him about, a positive trait to lock onto, and then as he develops, it makes you a lot more receptive to him being a good guy in the end, because he oh, um, definitely once he becomes more of his own person and breaks away from Akane, he tra- he kind of transitions from being a, a villain into being more of a rival. And at the end, mm. he's a lot more measured and a lot more well-rounded, and as Samurai Caliber was encouraging him to be, a lot more of a measured person. He still wants to beat Gridman, but he's, he's transitioned from uh, saying he wants to kill Gridman to just wanting to crush him. Oh, yeah. He even uses that as a reason to fight alongside him. Yes, because he can't beat him if he's dead. Mm. And, of course, he also he stops being a kaiju and kind of his copyability kind of goes to the logical extreme and turns him into his own version of Gridman called Grid Knight. Did look pretty neat. Oh, sick as hell. I love Auntie. I love all of these characters. There is no character in this anime that when they show up, I'm like, oh, God, just got to get through yeah, it. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. Even the side characters, I mean... Yeah, all the kind of background and side characters, like um, like the classmates and stuff like that, they don't get much, if any, focus. But they're still fun. They're still fun to have around. Like um, the two classmates, um, Haas, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. I only remember Haas because it's a name I haven't come across mm. before. Um, uh, they, they, they get more focus in the episode with the YouTubers. But even then, like, there's, no, there's nothing obnoxious about them. They don't even... 
there's a there are bits in it where you could have them be a bit more snide or kind of turning against Rika when she keeps going off. But they don't at all. They just kind of they complain about it a couple of times to each other because you know their friend keeps buggering off and leaving them. But then in the last episode, um, they point out well, Haas points out that um, yeah Rika's not saying anything probably because she's not meaning to be mean. She just thinks it doesn't need to be said. And so again, everyone's just really kind of, kind of normal in their reactions. There's no kind of contrived conflict, you know. Ooh, come to think of it. Okay, so once Rika starts realising that the world keeps resetting, so once she starts seeing the monsters and stuff, she sees the world differently compared to her friends. So, what's the best way of putting it? Something to do about mental health with this, because it's the way that her friends are viewing her and the way she's concerned of how they might view her. Especially when she's there as the discarded stand-in for Akane's real personality, if that makes sense. Yeah. I get you. Again, there's so many different ways you can read into this. That's part of why I like it. You can read any kind of... They've left it open enough for you to interpret your own kind of messages from it. So again, the things I've been saying maybe not may not line up with how other people interpret this and that's you know that's why i think it's been left so open to interpretation so we can all take our own messages from it obviously there are some that are more kind of uh explicit like you know sometimes you just have to be there with utsume's character that kind of thing there's so many different opportunities to kind of read messages into it i think it's fantastic i was not expecting this much depth Mm. oh it's weirdly deep Yeah, I'd just like to point out the YouTuber characters in that episode that I mentioned are weirdly eager to go on dates with high school girls. just like to throw that yeah, out Yeah, that there. was a bit That's weird. weird. That was incredibly weird. I mean, obviously they're living up to the YouTuber, you know, standard, you know, grooming minors. <laughs> yeah, 21-year-old and, what, 16-year-old? Well, what, what, actually, <sighs> they're not, Japanese I, high I school, first year, are. that's... Is that are they 14 to 15? Year? Yeah, first year high school. Ooh... Yeah, that, good, that, good that's a bit creepy. It's incredibly creepy. I'm glad they're dead. Yeah, if it wasn't a kaiju, it would have been anime Chris Hansen. <laughs> that was a little creepy. Oh, it was incredibly creepy. But it was I only mentioned once, right... so we don't think it was as baity as all the foot stuff. Well, no, I mean, it's not exactly like he was treated as being portrayed positively or anything like that. It was just treated mm. as like, a, that's a thing that's happening. It's just weird, though. It's just incredibly weird. Anywho, Alexis Kerib, fun villain. I hate him, and I'm glad he got punched. Well, I guess that's a sign that they've done their job perfectly in acting and writing it, because it's a villain yes. that you're meant to hate. It's like um, Kai Win in Deep Space Nine. Oh, screw Kai Win. Like, the moment she opens her mouth and talks, you want her to die in a fire. It's great. It's villains <laughs> that you anyone, love to hate. If anyone refers to me as my child, I'm going to violently punch them. I <laughs> Kai Win Kai Win has given me this kind of fight or flight reaction to it's those two so words. This is this is why I can't play Undertale. I will just punch <laughs> the screen. I'll go full Kyle on that screen anytime Goat Mum calls me my child. 
When a show has protagonists that you actually like and villains that you dislike, it's doing a good job. Even when Absolutely. they threw you a curveball with the first episode, it gave you these expectations of what the characters are going to be like, especially with Rika, but then it actually builds on them. It gives them a lot more depth. And especially when you sort of realize that much like when a Gridman's personality is split across, let's say, what, five characters? So is Akane's. Every other character is a little part of her. It's almost like when you subvert the audience's expectations, you actually have to put effort into doing it and providing a satisfying conclusion and not just subverting for subversion's sake. Hmm. Yeah, this is as much an adaptation of Gridman as it is of Inside Out. However, in this version, Sadness has bigger boobs and Bing Bong is the main antagonist. Yeah, Alexis Carib is an interesting character. He's got way more of a motivation than um, than Khan Digifer, who just, I'm evil. Alexis, at the very least, has a reason for why he is doing what he's doing. He's not trying to take over. I mean, he has, but that's a means to an end. His end is filling the hole in his, in his soul. By he's taking advantage immortal. of depressed girls. Wow! I didn't know Alexis was a YouTuber as well. <laughs> Who are we to grow shit? Oh, wow. Man, we're, we're on SoundCloud on as well. Today. We're on SoundCloud and Spotify. We're not just exclusively YouTubers. We're fine. <laughs> we've we've diversified. <laughs> we are punching <laughs> so high above our weight. Exactly. It's it's so, all yeah, good the, we punch The villain up. is a great big Discord mod. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, seriously, we're just being I'm serious just, just... here. The internet's a terrifying place. If you're a grill who is feeling sad, because people will take advantage of you, like holy hell. Oh, they'll take advantage of anyone. Just, just if you're a child, stop listening to us because you shouldn't be on the internet. Just go, go play with sticker bricks. Yeah, just get off the internet. This isn't some Do sort it. of boomer thing. It's like no, just give no. it some time. The internet is a terrifying gateway. One thing will lead to another, and one day you'll wake up as the owner of a Sonic the Hedgehog fanfiction site. <laughs> or, God forbid, a anime bath scene wiki. Or, like, this is the worst of the worst, co-hosting a tokusatsu podcast. I know, right? This is my hell. The moral of the story is, help us. <laughs> this isn't a podcast, this is codependency. <laughs> this is a cry for help. <laughs> these aren't laughs, these are tears. We still don't have... We still need to work in the feet stuff. Uh, just one more character I'd like to mention. I I really like Rika's mum. She's she's fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's I, she, I, I like her character. She's the she's one character, I think, who was exactly as I thought they were going to be. I, I kind of expected something different. I expected, like, a neglectful mother. But no, she's, she's fairly passive, but she, she's there. Well, she, she's a bit dry, but she's still... I think what I like about her is the fact that she clearly knows what's going on from day one, you know? Mm. Or at the very least, from very early on. Like she doesn't in the last really episode, need to hide anything. Yeah, she, she sees all the, uh, all the lads go out to help Gridman, and she just doesn't kind of react to anything like that. She just knows that that's what's going on. She, yeah, clearly oh, she's yeah, so during that scene, they're all eye. getting ready to go into the computer and do their thing, and then they just notice she's looking <laughs> through the doorway, <laughs> and she's like, no, it's all right, go ahead. I just love how she, uh, her bits with the uh, the Neon Genesis Junior High boys is they're great to the point where like Boar's even taken to calling her Mama. 
That's adorable. I, I love I it. I didn't quite catch up on that, but I love the little humour that they work in with those characters. Like when um, the first time the gang interacts with Samurai Calibur. He walks into the cafe, but yes. the, because he's got <laughs> his several swords, katanas across his, sword, his back. They're all, they're all strung lengthways as well. Yeah, incredibly and wide. So he just ends up bumping into the doorway, not once but twice, and getting knocked over yeah. because he does not no, he fit through. He bumps into it once going through and then going back out again. Does the Was it back same out? Thing. Yes. Yes. So he has to sort of go in sideways. It's like uh, like Rika's mum mentioning that the uh, the Neon Genesis boys just are constantly on like on standby. Like they don't really do much. They just hang around the cafe now. Yeah, she's like, "Do you guys work?" Or, <laughs> but then after that, she just seems to really like them. Like there's there's one scene where she's just sat down chatting with them. We don't get to it doesn't get much focus or anything like that. But it's clear that she's just when no one else is around and it's just them. She just kind of sits down and chats with the lads. It's just it's just nice. Yeah, I think that she's happy to have someone to interact with because otherwise she's just watching TV or just waiting for a customer. Yeah. The whole series is full of nice little interactions like this. It's just really fun. I was not expecting that when I went into it. I was just thinking, yeah, okay, it's going to be something going to have to talk about. But no, there's a surprising amount of depth in it. I'd love for there to be some sort of follow-up. I was right. You were just humouring me to begin with. Only when I started watching the anime. And then when I was just like, yeah, it's okay, I guess. But then it went on like, okay, wow, there's a lot of depth. You didn't trust me. No. You ignorant slut. <laughs> this is what I <laughs> Well, if anything, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be the other voice. I'm here to be the one to bounce things against. But in this case, yeah, we're all agreeing on it. I was converted. Yes, good man, good. Yeah, good man, good. That's our uh, characterization out of the way. We've already touched on the messages and themes of the series, but just to kind of consolidate our thoughts, uh, depression bad, friends good, go out, yeah. leave Even the house. Yeah, if you don't have superpowers, just talk to your friends, be there with them, because holy hell, that can do so much. I mean, hell, I mean, just I mean, to go completely seriously for a moment, 2020 has been one bitch of a year, and having, you know, starting the podcast back up again and having these kind of at least bi-weekly you know, verbal conversations with you, even if we're just recording them for the podcast, does a lot to help me out, and I always look forward to them. So just being a presence in a person's life, even if you're not actively, you know, I don't know, giving them meds or whatever, it's still enough to kind of keep someone above, you know, keep their head above water. It it can do so much. Maybe the real superhuman samurai cyber squad was the friends we made along the way. No, I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed that I didn't make that kind of joke first. While we're on this little little section, I just wanted to say, just wanted to reiterate just how nicely realistic it it was. I mean, obviously the what's the best way we're doing it? The way it's been realised is exaggerated and dramatised. Obviously, you cannot enter a Tron-like world and interact with um, program people. But if that were an option, people like Akane and myself would absolutely do that. You know, it, yeah, it, it's a metaphor for just escaping from reality. And you know, um, Evangelion does this as well. Um, partway through, Shinji kind of stops seeing himself as Shinji and kind of starts identifying first as the pilot of AV Unit One because that's how people, you know, when he goes out and beats an angel, people respond positively to him. So he just kind of takes that and escapes into that aspect of his personality, of his identity. And, you know, it can be very easy to take refuge 
in something and have that kind of take over and become stifling rather than just an aspect of you. When a trans-dimensional entity offers you a chance to make a perfect world, you just go ahead and take it. I do like how Akane eventually realises that she can't control everything, and that she has to take the world for what it is, and she needs to come to terms with that before she can wake up and do things in the real world. Just all real good. Just real solid stuff. Yeah. Good job, Trigger. You I'm did good. making realisations about the depth in it just as we're talking. Like, you this see? being a factor, yeah. Like, her just desperately needing some control in her life. And just, yeah, it's great. Just sort of realising that she may not be in control of a lot of things, but what she can do is learn to cope. Yes, it's just wonderful. And it's a Gridman adaptation, like, what the hell? Yeah, that really throws me off, because when I first saw Gridman, I was like, okay, this is just... Yeah, your standard Ultraman knockoff. They took the source material and made something that shouldn't be that good. Well, it's not like none of this was kind of reflected in the original Gridman. Like I said, Takeshi has these kinds of tendencies also, but it's not quite as... Uh, it's not like it's a focal point of the series. Takeshi does get better by the end, but it's not... The goal of Gridman isn't to save Takeshi like it is to save Akane in this. It's to stop Khan Digifer. Um, like I mentioned throughout the epi- throughout this episode, there were loads of references to different things in this. I, I named dropped the Obari pose where he um, has a sword for the first time. But what you didn't realise... Uh, well, I mean, I mentioned it to you, Rex, but what you didn't notice specifically was that almost every single character in this is a Transformer. Every single one. Uh, uh. Every single one. I told you I've been preparing you for this moment. I'm going to talk about Transformers now. So, Yuta Hibiki is based off of Cliff Jumper. Not just any Cliff Jumper, though, specifically Classics Cliff Jumper. Because his shoes are themed after the feet of Classics Cliff Jumper. That explains the shoes. Yes, the headlights. Uh, the the his rack his rucksack is based on the uh, jetpack he has as well, and this is important because that particular version of Cliff Jumper was featured in the Shattered Glass comics, which is a uh, parallel universe where everyone's um, kind of morality is flipped. So the Decepticons are good, the Autobots are evil. Uh, Classics Cliff Jumper comes from the mainline universe into that universe and has to kind of you know deal with it. Uh, Rika is based on Megatron. Her mum has a um, is based on Shattered Glass Megatron specifically. Her mum has a um, what you call apron that's based on G1 Megatron. Um, Akane is based on Optimus Prime, and when she wakes up in the real world, she's based on Nova Prime, which in the Shattered Glass universe, um, Optimus Prime is purified and becomes good and becomes Nova Prime, and that kind of symbolizes her becoming good. All the weird, creepy, pervy, pedo My nonsense. My God, this anime was YouTubers. written by nerds. It was. Uh, the the weird nonce YouTubers are all based on Jetfire. I don't know what Jetfire did to deserve this, but you know, rip. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. Uh, Anti is based on Shattered Glass Hot Rod, the one with the goatee. Uh, yeah, he's got the same weapon. He's black and purple with purple flames in his human form. Uh, that buzzsaw weapon um, in Shattered Glass, uh, Ratchet is a mad doctor who, given the opportunity, will cut bits off of his patients and put new bits on. Uh, he, he gets hot rod when he's unconscious, so he cuts his hand off and replaces it with a buzzsaw, because he can. So that's why he has that buzzsaw weapon. Um, Actus Carib is based off of um, Scourge or Nemesis Prime. 
there's just so many bits. Uh, Utsumi is based off of Side Swipe, I think it is. Because he's got the... Um, the Damn, he's going to bug me now. I'm pretty reasonably sure it's Side Swipe. So this really does tie into the whole yes, I was right. the world being a simulation kind of thing because it's well, based on shattered you know. glass. Yes. Yeah. So it's like an alternate kind of thing. Uh, weirdly enough, though, all the um, the Neon Genesis Junior High boys are all based off of Dinobots from the Age of Extinction movies. They've got the same weapons as them, and the uh, you know the little little designs they have on their lapels. They're all based on bits of the robot mode, like um, oh yes, from from that part of their body. Like um, Max is based off of um, Grimlock. I don't remember the rest of the Dinobots in that movie because they're not really characters, and I refuse to give that movie the time of day. I hate that movie so much. Rangers mini review: uh, Age of Extinction is really bad. Don't watch it. Michael Bay bad. Michael Bay bad. Bumblebee was good though. Oh yeah, I've heard that's a gem. Oh hell yeah, dude. Um, that's. That's what I'll go into with references, because I can go on forever and ever and ever about them. And I probably shouldn't, but I could. It's really clever how they included all of that. Like, wow, because I'm not a Transformers fan, that would have gone straight over my head. Ah, but I am. And it didn't. There's a sequel to uh, Gridman coming out called Dinozenon, and it's still... Yeah, we're still getting trailers and stuff like that, so we get to play the, uh, the game now where we work out what the Transformers references are. Looks so far like they're that doing uh, Beast Wars Transmetals, which is a really weird choice. Those That combination of words means nothing to you. Absolutely nothing at all. Fair enough. It means stuff to me. So that's pretty much all we uh, all we have to talk about with, uh, with regards to Gridman. Otherwise, we're just going to descend into, yes, Gridman good. Yes, I agree. Gridman good. <laughs> you know, there's only so much Gridman you can talk about. Gridman surprisingly just... good. Gridman is surprising... <laughs> You know, I yeah. the surprisingly bit, dude. Come on, it, it is surprising. Like, it oh should, my goodness, I, I recommend it, 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 it. shouldn't be surprising because I recommended it. You should trust me. I was expecting just we've been some... friends for over ten years now. I was expecting just some kaiju getting beaten up. I was not expecting the subtext of mental health and dealing with depression. I told you it was surprisingly deep. I thought that was just you being a weeb. Look, it's so deep, guys, because this katana is a reference to... Uh, no, I mean, this is actual human deep. So we're going to finish this episode off before you watch our friendship being ripped apart in real time due to uh, <laughs> Rex's lack of trust in my taste. My This God. will probably be my last episode. <laughs> I'll replace you with Jack. No! Jack appreciates me. Uh, so yeah, um... Just before we uh, sign off, I just want to say, based on the subject matter of this episode, um, 2020 has been one bitch of a year. If you are feeling the effects of it as I am, for God's sake, reach out to the people in your life that care about you. Just don't do it in real life. <laughs> well, do it within two, you know, do it two meters away from someone. All right. Uh, but you know, if 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 you are in a position where you can talk to your family or your friends, if they are receptive to that absolutely reach out to them and explain to them what's going on in your life. Um, if not, there are plenty of call um, call lines you can talk to in the UK. We've got plenty here. Just reach out to someone. 2020 sucks. We're all sucking because of it. Now I can go back to making jokes and making the funnies. This is uh, this is Carmen Ranger signing off. B baby Dan Dan. Baby Dan Dan. Damn it, I was going to make the Baby Dan Dan reference. Aha, I knew it. That's why I, I was going to tie first. it in with Christmas. I was going to get in Jesus first. And, oh. <laughs> this is Rex signing off. Happy Christmas, and let's hope that the new year isn't 2020 Mark II.